unbridled arrogance in relationships. I've always been that way. Really? I don't know how to explain it. I've just, I've always felt very confident in relationships. So I never, ever was like, oh, I hope I can keep Kristen. I was going, do I want to be with a Christian who has eight people living in her house for free, who has to get out of a car when there's a dog that doesn't have a leash and ruin her whole day to rescue this dog? Do I want to be? That's great, she's good, but I, that's not what I want to do. I'm not that good. I don't want to spend my day finding the owner of a dog. <laughs> so I wasn't uh, fearful I would lose her. I wasn't certain I wanted to be with someone like that. And then the, what's, what happened, with, which could have only happened the way it did, is that she never ever said to me, you know, you could be a little better of a person. She never, ever suggested that I should do that. Instead, I just slowly through time watched what fruit she bore out of the way she moved through life. I, lo I looked at the, 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 the results of how she lived, and they're pretty undeniable. So here's me who's like, thinks, she lets people take advantage of her and live for free off of her, and maybe she pays this manager too much, or whatever the thing I, the, the cynical protective part of my brain was saying, I, I could also acknowledge she's bringing in a lot more money than you. She's getting ahead. Like, well, for all these people that are making a fool of her, she's doing a lot better than you are. I just couldn't deny the reality of how, how her, her life unfolds. There, there's something charmed about it. And I think it's charmed because it starts with her being just endlessly generous and loving and, and, uh, and giving people the benefit of the doubt and believing in people and believing the world's a wonderful place and all these things. And then downriver, it proves to be all those things to her. And me, on the other hand, I'm like, and no one's gonna take my wallet. You know, that's all I'm thinking about, and I miss all this other stuff. And then I, I, you know, I just over time was like, it doesn't really matter what case you can make intellectually, you can't deny what the outcome is, and it's so drastically better for her. You know, more people care about her, more people will be there for her, more people, it's just a better life. And then I wanted that. And so I chose to move more in her direction, you know? She didn't ask me to. I, I wanted what she had, and I replicated it. And, and conversely, I'll pat myself on the back. A lot of the things I think she could have done better, I never said. She's the first person I dated. I made a real conscious decision that I wasn't going to try to make her into the person I wanted to date, because I know what happens when I try to make them the person I want to date. I don't end up liking that person. And so I didn't do that, and lo and behold, she has come the same exact distance towards me as I've come towards her. You know, without me, she's never on your show admitting she has depression. She's never doing that. That's like something she got from me, and then that has added this level to her life that these people reach out to her and say, I was, I've been with a guy three years, I haven't admitted I have depression. I'm so ashamed of that, and she's seen the results of like, what her being honest and flawed and all these things, what, what it cultivates. And so um, it happened to her and it happened to me and neither of us were saying you gotta start doing it this way or you need to be this way. It's like some magic osmo osmosis happened.
Well, you're right. Yeah. That is a little off-putting. It is, right? <laughs> hey, folks. Thanks for watching. Great interviewer. Um, I watch his stuff on YouTube all the time. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that we have a little bit of a smaller group because I wanted to do some interactions. Um, so what stood out to you uh, over here on, uh, in that interview? Did you notice he actually did mention her faith, right, when he was describing her? Okay. Um, I know, right? I don't even know if he was aware of that. But yeah, he, he said uh, he noticed the fruits she bore, and it was undeniable, right? Yeah, that was interesting. What else stood out to you? Yeah, John. Yeah. He was saying, he was just saying, like, you are, you feel better. Living. Yeah. Like it's, it's, not, it's not like, oh, just be a servant and do this. It's like your life is actually yeah. not just in terms of, like, uh, cause and effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the better life she was living. Yeah. What else did it set out to you? in the way that he was describing their relationship. She was open and willing to listen to his law. And I could understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like this mutual understanding and a desire to know the other. Right? It's not just one way, right? And I also imagine um, he, he she he used the word osmosis, which is kind of interesting, you know. Uh, evangelism through osmosis. <laughs> you know, so it's, 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 it, there's this mutuality, right, to it. What else stood out to you guys while watching that? Yeah, right. You talked about how Kristen didn't have to be perfect and she had her own, like, uh, even if, again, her life was crazy and she has good and accurate, you know, views regarding vocalizing. Yeah. 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 And I don't even know if, like, she was, like, sharing her faith or her life of faith, like, on purpose. You know, it just seems like that's just the way she was living. But I guess when we think about like sharing faith or evangelism, right, uh, we think like only the other person is going to benefit from this, right? I have all the knowledge, I have all the experience, and I have the truth. So in me evangelizing to others, only the other person is going to benefit from this. Well, but we, we don't really think like that we could actually benefit from it, right? Like it, it can actually give us a better perspective and... You know, she was actually, she actually, you know, he said that she became a lot more vulnerable and honest about her struggles and her depression and things like that, right? So that's, um, yeah, that is really interesting. Anything else? Yeah, Becca.
Mm. Yeah, yeah. You mean like being pushy with it or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But why do you think he wasn't as um, put off by that or, like, you know, um, turned off by that? It, it, it was weird for him, but there was something about it that was appealing as well. What do you think that was? Well, I think since he was dating her, he probably thought she was cute. That probably helped. I know. I know. She can do no wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in other situations where maybe it's, like, you know, it's like your coworkers or your friends that are, like, you've, like, become friends with somebody or in some way you're in proximity to somebody who, like, really disagrees with Christianity or just in general disagrees with the entire, you know, like, faith and intellectual tradition. Yeah. To really, like, elicit a response even if you're not trying to yeah. overtly yeah. say, hey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amber? important for them to have that foundation of friendship like before anything else yeah good um so in that interview he was actually describing um what it actually looks like to share our faith effectively authentically and with relevancy in the 21st century and that's what we're going to look at today in today's passage so let's actually read the passage from today, uh, which is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses uh, 8 through 17. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to do this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good 
than for doing evil. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you guys remembered. <laughs> uh, let's pray real quick. Uh, Lord, as we take a closer look at the letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to the church in the first century, Lord, would you reveal to us a better way to share our faith? Lord, we, especially a lot of us who have perhaps grown up in the church, we have these preconceived notions of what evangelism looks like and what sharing our faith entails and how... Uh, we think of sharing our faith as this difficult ordeal or like suffering that we have to endure for the sake of Christ and for our faith. But Lord, in actuality, you actually want to bless us by living this kind of life. Lord, you want to bless us by us sharing our faith and you want to bless us by doing good for others. It's just a better way to live. And Lord, would you open our eyes, open our hearts so that we may Believe and receive it and make us more into the men and women that you desire us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, we just read from 1 Peter chapter 3. And it is written by the famous Apostle Peter. Uh, and he was writing to the early Christians in the first century who were dispersed all throughout Asia Minor and some parts of Europe, some parts of Africa, uh, as a result of severe persecution from the Roman Empire. They had to leave their hometowns where they grew up and the only places that they've ever known in their whole lives because of these uh, severe persecution that they were experiencing. And this is what's called the diaspora. Okay, diaspora, dispersion of God's people throughout these, these regions. And they were scattered all throughout. And what turned out to be a very, very difficult situation actually turned out to be a great blessing. Out of great pain came a great blessing because these early Christians, when they were dispersed all throughout these areas, they took their faith with them. And so Peter was writing this letter to all of these Christians in different areas around uh, Asia Minor, Europe, and parts of Africa. Uh, he was encouraging them and challenging them to live out their faith. That while it was incredibly difficult, the things that they had to experience, and they were going to these areas that were pagan, that were not religious, uh, that did not know Jesus, they were also taking their faith with them. And so Peter was actually seeing this situation as a way to further the gospel, as a way to further God's kingdom, and as somewhat of an unplanned strategy or accidental strategy for the early church. Recently, I've been reading uh, a lot of books and listening to a lot of podcasts on church planting and what it looks like to start new churches. And something I noticed recently is that a lot of these church planters and authors and podcasters use the word discipleship and leadership kind of interchangeably. I didn't know how to feel about this because Typically, when I think of the word disciple or discipleship, I think of it as kind of a really churchy word, very sacred. And when I think of the word uh, leadership, I think of like businesses and like professionalism. But really, when you stop and think about it, discipleship is really Christ-centered leadership, right? And when we even think about like sharing our faith or evangelizing or like um, 
we, we use language like we're leading someone to Christ, right? We're leading someone to Christ. And as the famous leadership guru John Maxwell said, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. It's not position. It's not authority. It's not even power. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And so when we think about sharing our faith or discipling others or evangelizing, that's really all it is. You're just influencing another person. And we live in a time where influence is, it's, it's, it's like the most important capital <laughs> that people have nowadays, right? Like people make entire careers out of being influencers. But oftentimes they're influencing maybe a way of life or maybe a product or something that's rather fleeting. And so what God is reminding us today is if you are going to live a life of influence, make it matter, make it count, make it last an eternity. And surprisingly, in today's passage, uh, Apostle Peter lays out for us what it looks like to effectively, authentically, and relevantly share our faith in the 21st century, even though this was written 2,000 years ago. And he begins with this. Share your faith by focusing on doing good rather than avoiding bad. <laughs> Share your faith by focusing on doing good rather than avoiding bad, okay? Uh, I'm going to read for us verses uh, 11 through 13 again. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. I used to believe that Christianity was all about avoiding sin, following a list of don'ts, rather than following a list of do's. Does that make sense? When I was a kid growing up, I used to think like, oh, I, I can't, uh, uh, I can't sin, right? I, I kind of thought that was like the point of faith, right? Oh, I can't, I can't check out that girl, right? Oh, I, I can't like cuss. I can't like, you know, smoke weed. I, I, I just have to avoid these things in order to be a good Christian, right? I used to think that Christianity was a list of don'ts, right? And, but actually when you read scripture and when you focus and actually pay attention to the teachings of Jesus, he actually focuses more on what to do than what to not do. Now, it, it might seem kind of one and the same, but it's not, right? It, because when you're actually focusing on the good, you're focusing on uh, like what you're, we're actually called to do rather than avoiding the bad. And the older I get, and now that I've been a Christian for however many decades, uh, uh, I'm almost like, I'm almost ignoring <laughs> the bad, you know? And I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I just feel like if you make more, fill your life with more and more goodness, there's going to be less space for evil. Let me give you a really um, practical example, okay, which is kind of, um, and this example might be a little bit surprising, but... Um, 
a, a, like a few months ago, my wife and I started seeing a couples therapist again, uh, just kind of work on our relationship a little bit more. And uh, one of the things, one of the topics that came up was uh, I was really bad about picking up our kids on time <laughs> and dropping them off at school and picking them up on time, right? I'm, I'm not the most punctual person. And uh, this was a constant frustration for my wife, you know? And, and we were talking about this with our therapist. And surprisingly, our therapist didn't jump to the conclusion of like, oh, you know, you should not be late, right? And she was actually digging a little bit deeper. And she asked me like, what kind of things do you do to take care of yourself, Al? And I said, oh, you know, I like watch TV every night. Uh, I try to exercise, I try to get enough sleep, you know, I try to eat healthy. And she's like, no, 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 you're just talking about self-care. What kind of things do you do for Sabbath? Like, what kind of things do you do that, like, restores your soul? And I was like, oh, I don't know. That's such a difficult question, right? Um, and I realized I was actually pretty bad at Sabbath. I was really good at self-care, but I was really bad at Sabbath. And so um, after kind of exploring it and just digging into it a little bit deeper, uh, we, I decided to set aside every Monday morning for Sabbath. And so what I do is I um, go to, there's a prayer house here nearby um, on Lake. I go there and I pray for like three hours or something and, and I worship for three hours. Or I go to Huntington Library and just walk around the garden for like two and a half or three hours. No music, nothing, no podcast or anything, just silence. Um, and I've been doing that for the past few months. And amazingly, I'm never late to picking up my kids. I don't, know, I don't know the logic behind this. And I don't know how this applies to your life. <laughs> okay? I'm just sharing from my recent experience. Okay? Instead of me, like, just telling myself, like, oh, don't be late, don't be late. I was actually, like, doing things that was, like, like good, restoring my soul. And just as a natural outcome, I was more punctual. I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me, um, but it just, it just does. And I, I feel like this is kind of how faith works, right? You just do more good things, and you naturally want to do less of the bad. It's, it's kind of weird how, how faith works like this. Living out our faith uh, and, and sharing our faith in a way that focuses on the good, um, kind of naturally, the, the bad stuff, the evil stuff, kind of gets like pushed out. And also, we don't avoid doing the bad out of obligation. It's just kind of natural, if that makes sense. Um, if you have your Bibles open, uh, let's look at verse 17. If you don't have your Bibles open, I'll, I'll, I'll just read it for us. Verse 17 says, For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. One of the things that um, in that interview that uh, Dax Shepard um, mentioned is that like, he thought that um, Kristen Bell was being stupid by like, living the way she was, right? And that she's like, wasting her time. She's like, giving away too much money, right? And then he was looking at his own life and how he was living a life of selfishness, and actually, like, her life was better than his. When he was being critical of her for, you know, being 
almost reckless with her generosity or being so selfless, right? Like she's uh, not being, being foolish, right? But he was looking at her life and it was like better than his own life. And one of the things that uh, people often don't take into account is that they think that living a life of selfishness will result in no harm or like no negative consequences. And that living a life of selflessness or goodness or kindness is going to be more difficult. But actually, living a life of goodness and kindness and selflessness leads to better results, far better results in your life than, leaving, uh, than living a life of selfishness. So either way, you live a life of goodness or you live a life of evil, you're going to suffer. <laughs> There's going to be consequences, but the consequences that you experience from goodness is far better than the consequences that you experience from doing evil. The other thing that uh, Apostle Peter points out is that um, what is your motivation for sharing your faith? Right? And then he tells us that we should share our faith motivated by love, not by fear. Okay? Share your faith um, is, should be motivated by love rather than fear. I'll read uh, verse 14 for us. Uh, again, um, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And in verse 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He says, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. That's probably one of the most commonly quoted phrases in all of New Testament. Do not fear. Do not fear. You have to think about what it must have been like to share your faith in the first century. This fear of persecution, this fear of death, this fear of pain and torture that you have to endure if people found out, if the Roman Empire found out that you are sharing your faith. What Peter is encouraging the early Christians to do is to have a love for Christ and a love for others that's greater than this fear. And what's interesting is that in the first few hundred centuries of the early church, this constant persecution and heavy threats from the Roman Empire only ignited this movement even further because those who were passionate about their faith had to endure all of that. And so they were really, really passionate. And those who were not passionate about their faith, who probably didn't take their faith as seriously, they just remained quiet, right? It was almost like a, like a, like a weeding out process, right? But what was interesting is that once the empire, Emperor Constantine came into power, do you, guys remember, do you guys remember this history? What did he do? Yes, he made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And the, the, the way that they actually carried out evangelism from there is through power. They threatened people to believing in Jesus Christ. And this kind of tradition carried out for hundreds of years, even if it's not overtly in the government of that time, right? And it kind of carried out even up until like a few hundred years ago. And this is where we get those like 
um, that motivation of those like fire and brimstone type of preaching where they would say, believe in Jesus Christ or you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> right? And you would evangelize to others with that statement. And, you know, if you like present that to people and they're like, oh, okay, I don't want to burn in hell, so I'll believe in Jesus Christ. Is that, is that the way that God wants us to share our faith? One of the things I've been realizing more and more these days is that uh, a lot of what we do in our lives, in our day-to-day lives, um, is motivated by either love or fear, right? And being motivated by fear is not always a bad thing, okay? Like when I get in the car and I'm driving somewhere, the first thing I do before I, you know, put into drive is I put on my seatbelt because I'm afraid if we get into a car accident, uh, you know, I'll get hurt. So I put on my seatbelt. And so that's, you know, that's something that's motivated by fear, Right? Or um, if I'm outside, you know, and, and at nighttime, and there's a dark, creepy-looking forest, I'm not going to go in there <laughs> because I'm afraid of what might be in there, okay? That's the motivation by fear, and that's kind of like our animal instinct, like, protecting us. And there are other things that we should do that should be motivated by love, okay? Like, when I'm spending time with my kids... I want to spend my time with them because it's motivated by love, not because I'm afraid they're going to become criminals when they grow up, okay? That shouldn't be my motivation, okay? It could be the same act, but it's motivated by a very different thing. When we evangelize to others, when we share our faith with others, do you think it should be motivated by love or fear? This is very important because if we are sharing our faith with others motivated by love, or I mean, um, yeah, motivated by love, it is because we love Jesus and we genuinely love our friend, our family member, our coworker. And it's coming from a very genuine place. If we are evangelizing or sharing our faith motivated by fear, it's out of obligation, it's out of guilt, right? It's out of drudgery. It's very different. And if it is motivated by fear, it's going to be far less effective because people aren't stupid. They could, they could smell it, right? They could, they could sense it when your motivation is off. And there's this last thing that uh, Peter says with regards to sharing our faith effectively in verse 15. But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who gives you, who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Share our sharing faith with gentleness and respect. Sharing our faith with gentleness and respect. What do you think this means? He says, give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. What do you think this means? It's not a rhetorical question. Yeah, John. Yeah. 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 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? This is, um, I love this verse, um, particularly what Peter says, you know, to, to do this with gentleness and respect because it's, it's, it's not a very Western way of thinking. You guys know what I mean? Like, you know, when we think of, like, a Western mentality, we think of, like, oh, you have to achieve. <laughs> you have to, like, get stuff done, you know? Like, you have to, like, you have to win, <laughs> right? And this approach is very not Western. Sharing our faith with gentleness and respect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, but you're right. It's, um, um, and he even kind of uh, foreshadows this in verse 8 when he says, uh, uh, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and humble. Okay, we're not coming from this place of, like, arrogance, like, I know more than you. And remember who's writing this letter. It's Peter, okay? He's not educated, and chances are, like, he didn't even know how to, like, read or write, and he had... His, uh, his apprentice, Mark, like actually write this as Peter was like speaking it. That's one of the theories of Peter's letters. That's why Peter didn't write as much as Apostle Paul, for example, okay? And in verse 15, he says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This is Peter, a fisherman, and so the reason that he, or the answers that he will give to others when they ask him are just based off his experience. He's not going to try to, like, win an argument or a debate, okay? He's, if, if someone approaches him and asks him a question, he's going to be like, well, this has been my experience with Jesus. I saw him walk on water, and I walked on water with him. I saw him feed thousands of people with just a few pieces of bread and fish, and I was there handing out the baskets of food. He's not going to try to win a, like a logical debate. He's just giving the reason from his perspective. And so he's not coming from this place of arrogance, like, oh, I know so much better than you, which is why he's able to say we have to share our faith with gentleness and respect. And it's also giving the other person um, the validity that they actually have a perspective as well. Right? They actually have wisdom and experience on their own merit. And you can learn just as much from that other person as, as they might from you. I heard a great quote from um, a Presbyterian pastor, uh, Daryl Johnson. Was he your former pastor? He was, right? Uh, he said, I heard him say this great quote on evangelism. Evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. Evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. A friend of mine who's on staff at InterVarsity um, at the Claremont Colleges, uh, he took this quote and he like really took it to heart, right? And he encouraged his college students uh, who were a part of the inner varsity ministry to not think of evangelism as like 
you're making a sales pitch. <laughs> he said, approach it as if you are engaging in spiritual conversations. He encouraged his students to engage in spiritual conversations. Now, when you think about it like that, it's a lot less intimidating. You know, it actually makes me want to evangelize because uh, you could, I could only do like small talk and like, you know, superficial banter for so long, right? I eventually want to get to like the meaty stuff of <laughs> getting to know a person, like what's your family background like, right? What do you truly believe? And actually get into like the core of what the person believes because everyone has a view of God. Everyone's a theologian in their own way, right? A lot of it is subjective and a lot of it is misinformed and uncritical, but everyone has a view of God. And I'm kind of curious what everyone's view of God is. Engaging in these spiritual conversations is a way to get to know that person in a really deep way. In verse uh, 16, Peter con continues to encourage uh, these early Christians in the first century by keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Before we can even engage in these uh, spiritual conversations, we have to live our lives in such a way that is almost like evidence for them that God exists, that God is good that Jesus is real. So even if they disagree with you, they would not have anything really negative to say about you because of the kind of life that you live. Because you focus on the good rather than evil and you're a loving person, right? And you're motivated by this love and you're trying to live out your faith in a way with gentleness and respect. If we live our lives like this, who can talk smack about you, <laughs> you know? Who can deny the authenticity of faith in your life? So I want to end with uh, giving you all a challenge, okay? Um, who is one friend with whom you can share your faith? Okay, who is one friend with whom you can share your faith, all right? Um, you guys have someone in your mind? Just one person. Do you, do you guys have someone in your mind? Think of that person. Now, if you do have someone in your mind, I want you to take out your phones. Like literally, right now. Take out your phone. And uh, just start a text thread with that person and like connect with that person. Okay? Like say hi. I don't know how you, how you say hi to people on text. Hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, loser. That's how, <laughs> that's how I say hi to my friends. Who is one friend with whom you can share your faith? And I'm not going to be too specific on how you can do that, okay? And that's why I'm just encouraging you to, like, say hi, get it started, and then later on you can figure it out. All right, let's pray.